The following podcast is brought to you by Astro Panda Productions. For more information or to find other great shows, visit astropandaproductions.com or visit the Astro Panda Productions page on blogtalkradio.com. Welcome back to Geekish Cast, episode number 178, where we're going to be on the bus with Sadie Katz. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to introduce Sadie Katz and kind of take a little tour with her. And I've seen some of her travel films. And trust me, it could end up just about anywhere from Pebble Beach to uh, somewhere near Burning Man, but not quite there. So check out this commercial, and we'll be right back. All right, everybody, thank you for listening to our sponsors. I'm your host, Jeremy, and joining me this week is the lovely and talented Sadie Katz. What's happening, Sadie? Ah, thank you for having me. I'm great. Thank you, thank you. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. It's always nice to talk to an actor. I love talking to actors, but I don't actually understand acting all that well. So if I sound kind of foolish, just you know, play play along with me, and we'll get through this. <laughs> well, who understands acting really? It's such a silly, goofy thing. It is, but it's also I've talked to enough to know that it's harder work than most of us realize. Uh, yeah, sure, of course. Well, so let me ask you, how did you get interested in, you know, showbiz and entertainment and all that to start with? Well, I, I think like I've pretty much always been obsessed with acting and I don't I mean, I've never realized the older I get the more I realize the gift from the age of like four, I knew I wanted to be an actress and that's there's something kind of, you know, a, a relief. I have my son has friends and everything they are trying to discover what they want to do. And I just, I always wanted to act. So, you know, I started off doing um, talent shows and then I did school plays. And then, you know, it, one thing leads to another and you just kind of keep pursuing it. And it, that's always been like a focal point for me. Oh, that's awesome. That's no, because I'm 45 and I still don't want to do what I want to do when I grow up. So. <laughs> Well, you got a pretty nice voice for radio there, sir. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you sound awesome on the You're phone. Welcome. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, so, Sadie, when you, what was your first big break to get into film and television? Where, where would you consider that to have happened? Um, oh, gosh. I, well, I would say my first feature film um, was Nipples and Palm Trees, mm-hmm. and which is so funny because it was supposed to be called A Day in the Life, and it's kind of a sexy, um, comedic romp. But it has a lot of heart and seriousness, but that it was directed by Dylan Reynolds and co-star, my co-star is Matthew James in it. And um, we had done a short, which is, you know, what you do in LA. And, you know, oftentimes they'll say like, oh, we're going to do this short so we can get funding for a feature. And that never, ever freaking happens ever. Um, so the odds of that are so slim. Well, this, we did the short of like, you know, this, this arguing, you know, kind of crazy couple in LA who are looking for love in all the wrong places. And we ended up getting money for um, a feature length. So like that pretty much from doing plays to doing that film, I was really um, excited. And then you just kind of, it's, it's a weird thing because you start knowing people in the industry, other people. And um, so from there, I, 
think I, I had booked, I, I shot a couple of things, House of Bad, that was a horror film um, with Jim Towns as the director. And then I shot this other film that's actually just now coming out, like Forever Old, but um, Meaning of Violence. And then I got Chavez. So I mean, everything kind of like keep, kept tumbling together. And I think part of that has to do with, I just wasn't smart enough to give up. I was like, well, this is what I'm doing. I think, you know, I think there's something to be said for that. Just not giving up. Just, you know, keep your nose yeah. to the grindstone. I mean, I guess you could say a third of it is showing up, a third of it is sticking with it, and a third of it is being in the right place at the right time. I mean, success in anything. Yeah. Really. I, I believe that. And it's funny because I remember, like, being in an acting class and, like, everyone was super beautiful and young. And, you know, I had a baby. I, I moved to L.A. at 23 from Orange County, so I wasn't that far away. But I had, like, a you know, my son was, like, a year old. And... There was all these beautiful girls that looked like models and them were like six foot tall and everything. And I just outlasted everybody. And they were very talented. You know, we were studying my But I just kind of didn't have anywhere. I didn't really have a home to go back to. So they're like, okay, cry it out and pick it up again and keep going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let me ask you about that because I noticed that a little bit when in my younger days, my wife and I moved to Monterey Bay. And suddenly you mm-hmm. don't have anything else to fall back on and you got to make shit happen. Did you find that helpful moving, moving to LA and just, I got to make this work. I mean, did that add a certain amount of get it doneness to your attitude? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I do think there's a whole thing of like, there's a whole thing of when you have in your head, somewhere you can go, somewhere you can run to, I think it doesn't, it makes your stakes not that high. Um, you know, having that, like, I, there's a difference of having a backup job or a secondary job that helps support what you're doing and having, like, oh, my family lives in you know, Oregon. I have sure, like, they're pretty much like, well, this is what I'm doing. Stop mm-hmm. doing this. So I might as well keep trying. And I think that's when you get a lot of kids who are like, oh, I'm going to try it out. I mean, some people get very lucky and say I never intended to stay, but the vast majority, I think you got to have no other hustle except that to stick around or else, you know, it's, it's fucking tough. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's tough to be in entertainment it's just on every level and it's exhausting and it's tiring. And, you know, it, it's the only job I leave where the second you're done with the job, you're unemployed again. And that can be, that can be pretty upsetting if you, if you don't really embrace that's how it works. Yeah, I can see that. My uh, my Greyhound, Ollie the Greyhound, has just been introduced to the room, so he's trying to get settled. So if I seem distracted for a second, it's because I have a 100-pound racing right. dog in here. <laughs> Good boy. So um, beautiful beast. Yes. We uh, we actually just adopted a second one, uh, but she was a blood donor, so she's not used to people yet. So we're, Oh, my God. We're, a blood donor for other dogs? Yes. Uh, greyhounds, this is something I, I just recently found out. Greyhounds have a universal blood type a really high red blood cell count and a low white blood cell count. So 75% of dogs can use their blood. And because it's not high in white blood cells, it doesn't attack the host system. And because it's high in red, it carries oxygen everywhere really fast. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was something I, I was, that yeah. must wire into much faster. It's got to have something to know. do with it, probably, yeah. But So she's okay. she's a beautiful dog, but she's not real sure about – well, she's not real sure about me specifically, but people in general. She loves my wife so far, so that's good. Right. Yeah. Um, but What's I her name? Uh, her name, we just renamed her to Emma when we got her. Oh, I love it. Yeah. All right. And my, and my boy is Ollie. 
So, oh, I love it. Yeah, so I like no I like goofy human names for our pets. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the only I'm Baby's you know, kind of a dog's name, so you know. You know, actually. I, it, I would go the other way. I'd say Sadie is a human name that I could see being put with an animal as well, easily. Yeah, um, yeah. Is That's now right. is your stage name? Is can I ask? Is that your real name, or uh, are you obfuscating? Your yeah, personal? it's well. I'll tell you my real name. My birth name is Sadie Jones. Okay. And then I got married once upon a time to my son's father, and his last name was Cat, and. I just, you know, it, it, I had become from a young age. I was only married a couple of years. Everyone would call me Sadie Katz, and you know that name just felt right for me. It's my son's last name, so, yeah, so I kept it. It works, <laughs> you know, and it's got a nice, strong sound to it too. Sadie Katz. Yeah. It's not mushy. It's not weird. Yeah. It's, it's got a nice sound to it. Um, yeah. Whoa, so yeah. Cute. yeah. No, I, I think it, <laughs> it. And you look like a Sadie. I think that works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I feel like my name fits me pretty well. So. Yeah, and I think if you went with the last yeah. name Jones, people would just think you were on the lamb or something. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I was looking over your IMDb page. First off, like, you know, the red notes that are showing things that are about to come out. It's like half as long as uh-huh. my arm. So you must work a lot. Like, oh, a bless lot. Oh, <laughs> Well, you know what? It feels like when, you know, when I'm, I'm working, I'm pretty happy and stoked. And when I'm not, like, I'm devastated, like, what's going on? So um, I, I try to be a little bit choosy about what I'm doing and I have stuff coming out because it takes so long for things to come out that you're like, you get a little bit, you know, itchy feet because you start to go like, okay, um, if this, something takes anywhere from a year, six months to a year to be released. So you always want to have stuff kind of in, in your Rolodex that you're like, okay, well, in another three months, this will release. And I, so you want to stay a little bit ahead of it. I think I'm, I'm slowing down a little bit, mostly because I'm like, my son's 16. I have two years before he graduates high school. Mm-hmm. So I'm not as anxious to, to work, but, you know, famous last words. Well, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> when you get something good, you're like, I, you got to you gotta go when, when it strikes. You just got to yep. keep going like, yes, okay, of course, I'll be there. What's that thing they say, strike while the iron's hot? Yeah, I think so. And I'm also trying to like, this is really hard, I think, in a social media world, too, is because people want to put you in a box and that's all you could do. So like, I started getting interested in like directing my documentary. And now I'm, I'm working on casting for American Ninja Warrior till April 15th. So I started to feel like I wanted to have, um, I wanted like tentacles and lots of things. So I wasn't just stuck, like not that I stuck the acting, but I mean, just stuck in one avenue of art. I kind of wanted to keep going out and write. And there's something fun about having your fingers in lots of pies. Oh, absolutely. And I, I do want to say, I like the way it's worded on your IMDb page. You have yourself listed as a triple threat because you are an actress, a yeah. writer, and a director. I, I just love the phrasing that you use with that. Um, right now, you've got two films, well, one that just came out and one that's coming out, I believe, but um, let's talk a little bit about Bus Party to Hell real fast, and then I really want to dig into the other okay. one that, that you've got going. Uh, Bus Party to Hell, like, like I said, I, I watched it today. Not a religious guy, but I can see the uh, advantages to possibly belonging to a religion like is shown in this movie. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the movie in general? 
Um, well, I'll tell you, Ralph Kaninsky wrote it. Um, the Mahals, uh, Michael Mahal and Sam Mahal were producing it. This is like one of their first big, they had done a couple of trauma films. This is like a big feature for them. Mm-hmm. And they sent me, or they sent my manager, Robert Lombard, a, a note giving me an offer. And I was like, what's the title of the film? Party Bus to Hell. And I felt like that was like my snakes on a plane moment where I was like, yes. What's going on? And I originally auditioned to play. I didn't audition. They got an offer to play the Tara Reid part. Um, and but I fell in love with doing the bus driver. And I'm really glad that bless my manager for kind of like forcing me on them because I'm like, just let me play around with this character because she was so fun. It's just like a completely irreverent, crazy thing. And the, the film is, you know, it's fun, it's boobs, it's, you know, demons and, you know, it's it's very comedic and, and has some nice jumps in it. So um, I think it's the perfect film to get really hot. Oh, yeah, I can totally see <laughs> Have that. Have a couple of cocktails. Yeah, I, you know, I, I like that you, you mentioned that they were trauma people or they'd done films for trauma because that's exactly what I was thinking of. I was like, this is trauma with, like, a higher production value. That's what this reminded me of. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's sort of the, the idea is it's a little bit of like an American Pie-esque ensemble, you know, tongue-in-cheek. I think Rolf um, did a really good job at, at having the, the movie move. So, like, you get what you want out of the movie, which is, like, that's what you want. You just want to have a, a fun time, and it's, it's lighthearted. It doesn't take itself too seriously. And Michael Stu is the DP, and he's just did some, I think, raised the, elevated the quality of the production. But I think people are going to get a real kick out of the film. Um, it's exactly what it's supposed to be, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what makes it so fun. Yeah. And, and, and they could see my boobs for an extended amount of time and a bunch of other things. Yeah. So, I don't want to say I used a stopwatch or anything, <laughs> but it was at least seven minutes, I think. <laughs> I know. Okay, so the thing was, originally we had talked about my character putting on like, you know, grabbing a towel or putting on like some kind of jacket or something. But as you could see from Joan, like Joan wants to be naked and have sex with everyone. And she's got all these creatures living inside her and, the, you know, the demons coming out. I don't want to give everything away, right, right. but it didn't make any sense. Like we had talked like, okay, at a certain point, you're going to, they're going to strip her. They're going to see her. And then, you know, we'll cover you. And I was standing there and I was like, there's no way that my character would like keep a shirt on. So I was like, maybe you should like cover me at one point and then I'll shake it off. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm already here. Just run so, with it. Um, and just run with it. But yeah, when I saw it in the theater at the premiere, I was like, wow, okay. That's a, that's a long time. But, you know, <laughs> thank God Michael, you know, he lived me really well. It's hard to feel bad when you go, you look pretty damn good. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving my college try acting up a storm. You know, people like it. They like it. And they don't, you know, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good attitude to take in just about everything there. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, when you're done, you kind of go like, okay, well, that's what I did, and that was really fun. And I, I love playing those kind of crazy, you know, twitchy, like, it's it's such a fun thing. It's such a, you know, it's almost therapeutic. You're, like, lying on the floor having a, a spasm on a bus with, you know, all your actors, all your crew. The, the place is, like, got tons of people crawling around, you're on the floor freaking out. Like, it, it takes a little bit of, like... 
when you call it chutzpah? Chutzpah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. you know, it's funny yeah. because it, I think one of the things about actors that amazes me is that you can do that. Like, you'll, you know, I'm going to take my clothes off now and do whatever silly thing I've been directed to do. And you think that, you know, God, you got to be so in the moment and not self-conscious to do that. And I'm going to use this to transition a little bit to the Bill Murray experience, but I, from going from the party bus to hell to the Bill Murray experience, you, you end up a little more inside your head and a little more, uh, self-conscious, it seems like to me in the Bill Murray experience. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's something that was so funny is I've, I've done all these movies where I play like crazy characters and they're really kind of aggressive and in charge, but, or, you know, I think like, I have wanted to do something, um, this documentary about chasing Bill Murray to have a magical experience. And that's like the closest to who I really am. I'm, I'm a pretty vulnerable, raw, very honest to like an uncomfortableness. Um, and I hadn't really got to do that in camera. So I think it's, it's really surreal for me to watch that because um, in editing it, it was kind of like I had to just say like, well, I'm doing this and this is how I was really feeling. And, you know, I was really obsessed with Bill Murray and I was like kind of on this crazy ride and it was affecting me. And um, I had to sort of edit that from like a distance. Mm-hmm. Like when I would do it, I'd say, I'd say, um, the car- that's Sadie. Sadie. I would like to talk about myself, not in like a, not in an ego way, but I would have to talk about like her. I go, well, she, let's put her in this thing. Let's cut it right before her because she had to become someone different. So I could go ahead and say, well, you know what? Maybe that shot, I don't look very pretty, but that's the story that we need. So it wasn't really me anymore. I had to separate myself and become like the director editing myself. Well, is tough. Let me ask you this. I mean, on screen and the Bill Murray experience, are we seeing you or are you putting on any character at all intentionally when you're in that? Well, you know, when I first started it, I'm with my girlfriends and like, I thought it would be like a jackass where we're just having fun. We're, you know, drinking, smoking weed and looking for Bill Murray. And it's like the silliest thing in the world. And mm-hmm. this sounds so stupid, but you have to remember I hadn't done a film before. So my original idea was like, this can be great. My girlfriends will have their New Year's resolution, and my New Year's resolution was to meet Bill Murray. And I thought, oh, you know, in between the different things, we could have girls, like, riding skateboards and girls surfing. I thought it was going to be like, I don't know, this was, this was like my original thing. But as I started to talk, I, I was just, like, fighting with everyone about you know, how important this Bill Murray thing was. And they're looking at me like, you're just out of your mind. And then it started to become like, I mean, what you see in the doc is true. It started to become super serious to me, super, you know, meaningful. And I was really going through, I mean, I think the subtext of the documentary, if you watch for it, is um, I, I think people pick up on the subtext who are also trying to pursue stuff like that a lot of people have watched it and said, I know exactly how you feel because it's really hard to get people onto your dreams, mm-hmm. even you know, because it, it seems ridiculous or they just don't care. And like, this was my passion project. And so, I mean, what you're really seeing is like, I was really tore up from it. Um, sometimes when I, when I think about it, I'm like, well, yes, I wanted to meet Bill Murray, but one of the reasons I really wanted to meet him too was because I was doing this documentary and it's kind of how you get in a fever of like wanting to finish what you started and you're, you're doing this, but then it started to bleed in really weird where I, this is, 
I'm, I'm kind of a silly person like this, but where I would be like, you know what? I can't do this project anymore. It's stupid. It's, it's like, I'm going to look crazy and stupid. And then I would look over and there would be like a Bill Murray poster driving a billboard. And I'd be like, yeah, well, that's a coincidence. He's in a bunch of movies. And then I would open up my phone and the first news story would be about someone having a Bill Murray experience. And then, I mean, it, it was like happening where I, I, I don't know if I was psyching myself up or what, but I started to really believe like, all the signs were leading me that way and I was just meant to finish this film and who knows, you know, what the future holds in that, but um, yeah, that's <laughs> that makes me sound freaking crazy, but it's true. Yeah, no crazier than anybody else, though. I mean, we all find signs and places where we look for them, you know. Um, I sat in on sure. a, I sat in on a sales class years ago, and the guy was talking about uh-huh. setting goals. He was just, he goes, write them down, right. set your goals. He goes, don't worry about how to get there. Set your goal. You know, if it's you want to do whatever, write it down. He goes, you ever notice like one day you decide you want to buy a car, and the next month you see that car everywhere, even though you don't remember seeing. You see, ride cars everywhere. Yes. Yeah. And he goes, that's he goes, that's how it happens. He goes, don't worry about that. You set your goal. You'll figure out the steps as you go. So it's kind of. Well, that's sort of what I hope. You know, I think savvy people watching the doc will pick up on that. This could be like anyone who has kind of a a dream or a hope or something even silly. It becomes a little bit um, where you don't have to explain. Like I had somebody ask me, well, why Bill Murray? I was like, well. I don't know if that's the most important question. It's more like we all do want things, do things. There's people who collect sneakers, mm-hmm. you know, there's people who collect stamps, people who like, you know, long to, um, you know, one of the things with Bill was I think I was really lonely. And I know this, I almost included this in the doc, but we just couldn't get her. We couldn't get our head around, and I was like, well, maybe I don't want to spell that out. But I kind of felt like a little, you know, I was depressed, and I kind of felt like there was magic lacking in my life. And I really, like, missed that feeling of, of like, Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or believing that there's something bigger than myself out there. And I'm not a religious person. And something about Bill and his interactions with people kind of made me feel like he was a modern day Bigfoot or leprechaun. And, and, and I'll tell you, chasing him did have lots of nights where I laid awake at night, just kind of really excited and, and visualizing like the film being in a film festival and visualizing what that would be. And it, it did. It's so lovely to have like a quest, like a Holy grail quest in your life because life's so tough, exciting to wake up and go, yeah, but, this would be great. And I think people are excited about that, too. Oh, absolutely. Now, um, if I'm not mistaken, the end of the movie takes place at Pebble Beach, right? Um, or, no. Okay. It was in Florida. Oh, it was in Florida. You know, every it's, time I think Bill Murray, yeah, I automatically... Yeah, it's at the Murray Brothers Golf Tournament. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I the, always go to Pebble Brothers Beach in my Golf head. Tournament. That was it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really... There's so many things I would have loved to do. There was some talk about, like, trying to learn golf. I I, I didn't want to produce the doc. I wanted it just to happen, mm-hmm. you know, like, be organic. So, I mean, had we had a ton of money, we would have gone to, like, his baseball stadium. Like, there, we could have done some other things, but... Uh, because of the nature of how much money that we had, we had to kind of like wait for a sure thing. Oh, sure. And, um, you know, because at the time, Bill's much more accessible now than he was. So 
um, you know, three years ago, he wasn't really as accessible. Now he just did that. Um, he just did the concert uh, with Jan Fogler and friends and Bill Murray. So like that, that wasn't there. He was like impossible in the where he was going to be. Right. Well, cause I the, think he's a little bit more mellow and, and accessible now. He's got the Mark Twain Award. I think he's kind of like simmering down a little bit. Oh, yeah. Well, because, you know, it's funny because in your movie, and I don't want to tip anything off that doesn't need to be. Right, made, right. But, you you know, you talk about trying to force magic to happen and that it doesn't happen. Um, you right. know, because yeah. we, we lived in the Monterey Bay for years. And, you know, every year there's the Pro-Am tournament and different golf tournaments that come through. So while you're running around over there, you see Alice Cooper and Bill Murray and all these guys just at different places throughout the Monterey Bay. And everybody right. I've ever known who's approached Bill Murray has come away looking like a child who just got their hand slapped. You know, they always come away just looking yeah, like I mean, admonished, you know? He's not the, like, one thing I discovered and, you know, I think Bill does things for Bill. Oh, I, I think so. Bill wants to be the crazy. I don't think it's as much as, like, a, a generous act is as, as much as like he decides he wants to fuck around for the day or wants to, you know, he's in a good mood. So he buys everyone shots or he's in, you know, he's in that place where that's what he wants to do. I don't necessarily think he like looks at someone and says, I want to do this for that person. And I, I understand it on a certain level because you know, he's so famous, so well liked. It's it's sort of like it becomes his own parody if he feels like every time he sees someone, he's like a performing monkey and has to be like, "Hey, here I am." Um, so, I mean, it, it's tough though because even myself, like when people come up to me and they're like really excited about meeting me, mm-hmm. um, or at a convention or something, it makes me a little uncomfortable because I'm like, "Well." Why would you think I'm better than you? That's just my job. So I can't imagine being Bill Murray, which is funny because I don't think of myself as, you know, I'm not like a super starstruck person. I've, I've been to the Oscars. I've been to all these parties. I've met a ton of people. I've worked with a lot of people. But I really just loved the idea of that kind of thing he was doing with people. And, um, you know, that, that that was intriguing to me in in a way that, it's still, I, I could, I always say, like, I could start talking about Bill Murray and I'll start the conversation being like, oh, that guy. I said his name so much. And then, like, a half hour into it, I start, like, drooling with the whole idea. You know, I, it's like Bill Murray's a drug. I don't know. Oh, yeah. For me, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, now, how did this, how did this idea to, where were you, talk me through the initial step where you're like, I'm going to have a Bill Murray experience and by God, I'm going to get it on film. What was, was there, was there a lot of okay. uh, edibles or pot or <laughs> what, what yes, was involved right. in this? Okay. Yeah. I'll be honest. So I was hanging out with the girls that are in the beginning of the movie, the first act. And we were around um, New Year's around Christmas. And I just moved out of my, my ex-fiance. We broke up. And so I moved into my apartment and I was, really kind of tripping out on life and feeling like I was like, well, I'm not going to get married. I'm starting over. And maybe I just like super, super longed for some direction in my life. I don't really have that much family I talk to. And so I was staying up and reading like all this stuff. And it was like Bill Murray article after Bill Murray. You know, when you get in like the black hole of the internet, that story leads you to another 
And Absolutely. I just, like, my stomach started to do cartwheels of, like, wow, God, this is amazing. And I started talking about it. And then the next day, we're, you know, having shampoo, smoking weed. And I started to be like, hey, like, I want to meet Bill Murray. And they were like, yeah, he's so cool. That'd be so cool. And I'm like, you know, when you live in L.A. and you're in film, it's like, I want to do this great thing. Let's film it. And my girlfriend, Genevieve, was a camera girl, and she loved you know, she was a DP and she loved Bill Murray. So she was like, I'm down. And so I started to get like really excited because I'm a big, I love Morgan Furlock and I love those kind of lighthearted docs to me are really exciting mm-hmm. and fun. And they're just kind of like, oh, you know, I'm staying in. I'm having a couple glasses of wine. I'm going to watch this documentary about people who love bromies, you know, and, and I like personality docs. So that's where it sort of started. And then you know, I started hitting up everyone for, for a little money. I was like, oh, I think we could do it for this much. And I, I knew the film My Date with Drew and how wildly successful that had been. So I, a friend of a friend knew the director, Brian Hersling. So I went and, like, you know, talked to him and said, hey, how did you go about doing it? I don't know if he was he was very gracious and kind to me. I don't know if he was that excited about me being like, hey, you, you did this doc about, you know, wanting to have a date with Drew Barrymore. I think he didn't really know how my doc, I mean, my doc is completely different than his. Right. But I don't think he did that at first. And it's very hard for, you know, as an actress, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed actress to run around saying, I want to direct a documentary. And people don't really necessarily trust that you're going to finish the project. I mean, that's, that's like 99% of it is just having people go like, wow, that's a great idea. I believe in you. People, their first thing is like, yeah, you're going to start this, but you're going to end up getting busy with other things. And, you know, knowing what I know now, um, it's doing a film is humongous a chunk of your life. And I was pretty much almost doing it by myself. Um, my editor, Jim Towns, came in later and he did the animation, thank God. Um, so I think, um, he's, I I think it was such a gift because he really believed in what I wanted to do in in, in post, but then you have to, then you do film festivals. Then after film festivals, you're like, how do I sell this film? You know, I got to make back my investors money. And so it's just a crazy journey that you go on. And, um, you know, thank God I didn't know how difficult it was going to be, or else I probably would have never started. <laughs> was there ever was there ever a point yeah, of making you know, that? Even with the podcast, it's crazy. It's, yeah, it's tough work. It's it's work, and it's and it's it's you have a, like a thing where you're like, no man, it's going to be so cool. It's be fun, and you know, how can it be that difficult? Like actually, it's super difficult. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it is anything we're doing and doing well ends up being you know it's fun, but it ends up being less fun than you. Well, that's anything you do for a while becomes a job, and nobody likes our job. You know, jobs suck. No, <laughs> but no, I mean, even it, it's tough too for me because um, I think if I did it, I, I would love to do another doc, but I would really want somebody who's like. I, you can do it or in documentaries are all about like they the story you set out to do a story about dolphins then on your way to do a story about dolphins it turns into you know you find out that dolphins are being caught in nets because of tuna so then you start following the tuna company so i mean typically in a film if you're doing a straight film you're following the film but in a doc the doc is following the story so, you know, you, you can't ignore what it's like, okay, and then this is what the story is about. 
And then hopefully you, you know, do it in a clever way. And we tried to add the animation and some music and have it be something great. But it's, it's really interesting because um, you're constantly rewriting the story. And there's times where I was like, I don't want the story to go here. And that, it took me a little bit longer than I should have because I was so disappointed in like where I wanted it to go. And then I finally am watching the dailies and stuff. I was like, yeah, but this is, this is the truth. This is where it went. And that's where, you know, I got all the couch stuff because I was like, at least she was the, the DP for that. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit down. And I'm like, I needed to get it off my chest anyway. So this is what happened. And we sat down. I had a half a glass of champagne. I was very nervous about my feelings. I was really conflicted. And um, I just sat down and said, like, this is what I went through. And, um, you know, there was something really nice and cathartic about that too that's a long answer but there it no, is no no no. that's a very good answer um so there must have been some point where you decided okay that's i'm not doing this or i'm not going to finish this or maybe something shiny showed up and you kind of were tempted to take your eyes off of it i mean did if that happened what what refocused you what got what kept your energy in place i guess is the question that never happened never happened um, okay <laughs> never happened so um there was one thing that that i got cast in wrong turn in bulgaria mm-hmm. and this was at like the very beginning and so i think everyone believed that when i came back from bulgaria all of a sudden my name was being a bigger deal especially in horror films and the 20th century fox film and i'm you know the lead villain and everything um uh they thought when i came back i'd be like okay well i'm concentrating on acting but i was more like right when i came back okay what, what's going on with bill and, um, I mean, I was in, I went away to UCLA for exhaustion and I was still talking. I mean, I, I mentioned it in the doc. I was still talking about Bill Murray. I'm like, well, when I get out of here, I'm going to meet Bill Murray. And everyone at the hospital was like, wow, she's having delusions. Like we need to put her on some serious medicine. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm doing a documentary about Bill Murray. And even then they were like, well, why? Um, I, I wish I had these recordings on, on tape because it would have been hilarious. But they were like, well, you know, Sadie, not everyone. I go, well, I'm an actor. I live in L.A. Like, But it was a very weird time in my life. But no, never, ever. I was absolutely like bulldog determination that if anyone even mentioned it, I would be like, no, I'm finishing the project. I'm finishing the project. And like my whole living room was like, oh, you know, the chalkboard, all Bill Murray. Like I just wouldn't shut up about it. And if you got me, if you started to say to me, like Sadie, this is going on too long. I was like, then you would get me going on the whole Bill Murray tangent. And like, yeah. And I think, I don't know. I think if you're doing an indie film, especially if it's only you, like, you can't afford to have any self-doubt because the world's doubting you in such a mean way. Like, now I'm like, what? At the premiere, and we had a couple of premieres and some film festival stuff, everyone was like, oh, you talked about this for so long, I can't believe you finished it. I was like, I never said I wouldn't. Right. <laughs> I always said I was going to finish. I mean, you have to be like that or... I, or, you know, nothing ever gets finished or done. That's pretty awesome. And that's kind of the key to anything art, artistic or even business-wise that you do as an endeavor. It's don't shoot for perfect. Just shoot for finished the best that you can do. Well, that's what I said. I was like, no matter what, I have yeah. a film here. And they're like, well, what if you don't get filmed? What if you? I said, I have a story. I mean, you can do a story about, you know, collecting a teacup that's really meaningful for you. You need a beginning, middle, end, and you need to not let up on that. 
So that was sort of my view. And I'm the same way with acting. Like, no, am I a big, you know, super movie star where I can't go to the store without being photographed? No. But I always said, hey, I, I want to be a movie star. Um, not to be famous, but I wanted to carry stories. I wanted to be the lead in stories. And I figured at a certain point, well, as long as I don't give up, like, I will have that on some level. We don't all get to be, you know, Meryl Streep or Jennifer Lawrence or whatever, but you get it. You stay at something long enough, you'll at least get a degree of that that I think will be enough. You know, sometimes things are just enough. You're like, okay, I, I have this on a certain scale, and that's great. And if it gets bigger, that that's, you know, wonderful and on a certain level, very well deserved. But, like, I don't feel like the universe is cheating me. They're like, oh, yeah, I got these posters on the wall. That's my film. I got to, I have these stories, and I'm okay. I'm, that's good. Yeah, that's 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 pretty awesome, actually. So we are just about to run up on time here. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. I've really enjoyed this. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, so thank let you. me let me ask you if people want to find uh, find more of your work or find out more about you, where can they find you? Like maybe your social media accounts or something. Yeah, Instagram under Sadie Katz, S A D I E K A T Z. My Twitter, which I'm not great at, but Sadie underscore Katz. And I'm on Facebook, but I think I'm full of friends that people can follow me and try to, you know, I, sometimes I delete crazies and, you know, you, you do it. It's under Sadie Katz, the C-D-I-E-K-H. Okay. And I think I have my picture from Blight as my profile, so I have black hair and I'm a goddess. And, yeah. You might be right. <laughs> Instagram's just... a great place. Yeah. Well, I just, I just personally followed you on Twitter and Facebook. I'll find you on Instagram here in a bit. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Great. Well, I will find you too and add you too. And I appreciate you having me on. Oh, yeah. Very no. Much. So I've got one last parting question for you before we go. Okay. With, with so many, um, so much of your work appears to be horror films. Were you, I mean, were you a horror fan growing up? Um, or are you just like one of those people cut out perfectly for the genre? What do you think? Oh, what a great question. Um, I, of course, was a horror fan. I tend to be a little bit of a nervous nanny, mm -hmm. and I have this husky voice. So I think, you know, in doing horror, there's something that it's it's a, it's a kind of easier genre in a way of everything's life or death. And I tend to do things pretty intense where, like, TV is all about, like, underplaying and being really calm and, like... TV's a different beast, and I, I'm a little bit messy where, you know, I, I don't mind going there. So maybe I'm, I'm a fit for the genre, but I'm open to all, all genres. It's just the horror fans are so lovely and um, loyal that how do you, you don't want to, you know, bite the hand that feeds you. Oh, absolutely not. And that, that is the thing about horror. It's kind of like pro wrestling or karate. It's like the people that are into it are way into it. And yes, yeah, they love it. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, I Thank love, God, I, I, yeah, I love slasher films, but I've got like a like kind of a narrow focus. Like there are certain horror films I just I devour, I love them, but like other ones that just like torture porn and Eli Roth, I you know, not that there's anything wrong, they just that's not for me, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you, you know what my kick is, I and I haven't done a film like this, and I totally want to. I love the ones that like a rich guy comes in, someone's having a dinner party, and they're like, "Would you rather?" Okay, you have to cut off her hand <laughs> for a million dollars, and I love those kind. I've seen like, you know, that's his own genre. I don't oh, know absolutely. what they are. Yeah, but I like the psychological thing of like, what would I do, and who's the bad guy and the good guy. I think those are kind of fun. 
Oh, um, yeah. Slasher films are a lot of fun to, I'm going to be doing one where you're like running away from the bad guy and losing your ever loving mind. I mean, you know, your heart races, they're, they're terrifying to do. But I don't know if I enjoy watching slasher films. They're a little too much for me. I'm pretty intense of a person when it comes to stuff like that. And I have to watch it like during the daytime, noon on a Sunday oh, to recover. I can understand that. See, me. One of the first movies I really loved that was a slasher film was Friday the 13th Part 2. Oh, is that your favorite one? That's, that's my favorite one of the bunch. And I was eight or nine years old, and it's crazy over-the-top violence and hot chicks, and it's just like everything your little pre-prevescent mind can, can handle all at one time. And that one, to me, is still... One of my favorite movies. Even is that the one with Robert Ressler? Oh, I, I gotta think, think who, in... who are the actors' names in this one? Um, it's those. It's the first. One, it's the first one with Jason. Um, I'm trying to think who's, um, who's all in there. Um, you know, normally I can spit out these actors' names right off the top of my head, and of course, right I know, now I, I can't. Let's. Okay. Well, that's, that's okay. I mean, those movies are scary as heck. I watched Nightmare on Elm Street as a kid, and I remember like begging my mom and dad, and then watching it like with my hands, like looking through my hands, and then my dad came out with like knives in his fingers, oh, like geez, ah, yeah. and I was completely like freaked out. Um, you know, I, I mean. I like, I love a horror, but I also sometimes I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I gotta go. I mean, and I also am like, I'm not someone who can go through like a Halloween mate or uh, I can't go to not scary farm because I'm almost triggered. I've trained myself to be like, okay, when you say action, I'm going to start crying and be really scared. And I feel like I get in the same situation where I'm like, ah, they're chasing me. And I literally will have like, and this isn't me hamming it up. I will start almost like just shaking and crying and like like cover my head and my face and be like get me out of here i i i can't do it and that's sort of with acting where i'm just like okay i'm just gonna be really fucking scared in this given circumstance scary just gonna be totally in that moment right then <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's yes, awesome it's like when i was a kid yeah so sorry cool. Oh. Hey, so um, I don't know if you ever uh, have stuff to promote again, but if you do, please have somebody let me know. I would love to have you back on to talk about whatever you're working on whenever you want to do it. You have been oh, a, I would a, love that. Thanks so much. Yeah, a great interview. But outside of that, I will share any links that come up. So, um, guys, if you are out there and you love horror films and, and blondes and everything that goes along with that, <laughs> please go check out Sadie's work. Um, but also, if you are a fan of documentaries or Bill Murray, uh, the Bill Murray experience, absolutely worth uh, the price of admission. Check that out when you get a chance. In the meantime, everybody, you can and, and write oh. reviews. Oh yes, that, you gotta <laughs> write reviews that for me. Too. I need reviews. Yeah, oh, thank you. Let me make that make that note for myself. Write reviews. There we go. That's stuff I always forget to do. But uh, in the meantime, everybody, you can catch us at geekishcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com/geekishcast. I tweet from at the geekishcast. I am on Instagram. Uh, but it's pretty much just dogs and beer and stuff like that, so it's really not worth checking out. Um, Sadie, thank you again. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. Enjoy the doggy. Will do, and you have a, a pleasant end of your weekend.